New year, new you. That's the message which has been targeted at us from so many directions these past few weeks. Uh, January presents an opportunity for new beginnings. And in some way, we've probably all bought in. The messaging gets ever bolder. The new you is waiting to be birthed. Witness the ultimate makeover. If only you uh, do this, don't do that, get this and get rid of that. The messaging gets ever more burdensome. If I did buy in every year, I'd have lost sight of quite which version of myself I'm now supposed to be on. But despite what the marketing promises, here's the real problem. It's already the 8th of January. A whole week of 2023 has already passed. By now, even our most sincere resolve has started to lag. Apparently, apparently in the UK, the 12th of January is Quitter's Day. For the most people who have made a New Year's resolution. Quitter's Day, January the 12th, so only four more days to go. (laughs) On that happy thought. New Year? New you? January doesn't present an opportunity for the truly new. Not if our focus is on our resolutions. It is Jesus who presents us with the opportunity of a truly new beginning. Our focus needs to be on the far greater resolution that he has made. We're told what that is at the outset of this letter to the Ephesians. In chapter 1, we're given a breathtaking overview of the scope of God's resolution. There in verse 10, we see that this is, To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And this is unpacked for us as a matter of out with the old, in with the new. Not simply saying goodbye to an old year as a new one begins, but it is out with the old creation and in with a new creation. It is out with the old humanity and in with a new humanity. And yes, it is out with the old me, the old you, and in with the new me, the new you. Many long for a fresh start. All need a fresh start. Jesus' resolve is that Through his death, resurrection, and ascension, all would be made new. A new beginning in the truest and fullest sense. Glance across at chapter 2, verse 6. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. This new beginning isn't merely a, a blank slate 
an opportunity to start over again. No, this new beginning launches us into an utterly new order of life. The verses just read for us from Ephesians chapter 4 very much capture this out with the old, in with the new movement. And the contrast between the two couldn't be greater. The old life, a life outside and apart from Christ, is pictured there in verses 17 to 19. It's a life treading a vicious downward spiral. It begins with the futile thinking mentioned there in verse 17. This is a kind of thinking that says, I can find satisfaction and fulfillment in life apart from God without him. A person thinking this way uh, chases after these things in, in their human endeavors or, or tries to find them in the worship of created things. The next turn of the spiral is the stubborn ignorance referred to in verse 18. The ignorance here has to do with ignoring. Instead of living a life of gratitude and obedience to God, it, it ignores him. It is stubborn because the person will not be persuaded to do otherwise. This moves to shameless greed. There in verse 19, a person enthralled by whatever presents itself to their senses, always wanting to to sample and taste more and more without restraint. Shameless as no longer feeling any embarrassment from what is indulged in, having lost all sensitivity to what is moral or immoral. Where does this end? At the bottom of the spiral is the darkened understanding of verse 18. Not simply a person who no longer thinks clearly, but one who is blind to the truth, one for whom the light has gone out. Who have you seen caught on that spiral? The closer they are to us, the more tragic it is. We ache for our family and friends. But where do you see yourself on that spiral? Because, though it may be hard to digest, outside of Christ, we're all somewhere on it. I know I was. It's soberingly inclusive. Taking on board what we read In Ephesians chapter 1, if reality is all about all things in heaven and on earth being brought to unity under Christ, then, well, to be riding that spiral 
is to be plummeting into unreality. More than that, such a life lived apart from God is a fall into death. What we see here in these verses is an unpacking of the diagnosis of our natural condition given back in chapter 2, verse 5. Outside of Christ, we were dead in transgressions. No resolutions on our part were ever going to change that. But this is the why of Christmas, Jesus born at Bethlehem. This is also the why of Easter, Jesus crucified outside Jerusalem, out with the old humanity, in with the new humanity, a new you and me. Many will have questions about this Jesus. Why not come along? To hope explored. We run that precisely to provide a safe and easy place for those questions to be addressed. Back in Ephesians 1, the Apostle Paul prays, verse 19, that we would know God's incomparably great power for those who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Again, breathtaking. This new life is now pictured for us here in chapter 4 from verse 20. The first thing to say is, It is a life lived in the presence of Christ. Verse 21, you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. All eyes are upon Jesus. And rightly so, because he alone has died and then lived. It's this that leads us to pay careful attention to a truly unique person, to the distinctive truth that is found in him. Not one long consigned to the past, but as one who is living and active in the present. When we read here in Ephesians of thinking and of our minds and of ignorance and understanding, We all too quickly imagine these refer only to our our giving intellectual assent to the truth. Yet Jesus is no abstract object to be viewed from a distance. He is a concrete subject who means to relate to us up close and personal. Now, I could claim, I could claim to know you based on having sat down and read your CV. Or, I could 
claim to know you based on having sat down and, and talked with you at one of our upcoming congregational lunches. True, these are both ways of knowing, but they are worlds apart. We never settle for the former when we can have the latter. And it is the latter that the Ephesians have been taught to pursue. We might call it it relational knowledge of the kind which engages our heart, soul, mind, and strength, meaning our, our motivations, desires, and actions, not merely our intellect, responding to the person of Jesus who is the truth. Our new life begins and is lived out in the presence of Jesus. The second thing to say is, it is a life lived in the power of Christ. See there the flow from verse 22? Put off your old self, be made new, put on the new self. This isn't within the power of any of us to do. However much the New Year marketing may tempt us to believe it is. This can't be our New Year's resolution. But remember, this is Jesus' new creation resolution. Jesus' power at work within me enables me to, to put off my old self and put on my new self. The world tells us, Make yourself new. It shoulders us with the burden of being our own creator. By contrast, verse 23 says, Be made new. And hearing that, the burden falls away. As does the blindness from our understanding and the futility from our thinking. I don't know about you, but over the last few weeks, my email inbox and my letterbox has been inundated with advertisements telling me I need a new wardrobe at the start of 2023. And perhaps looking at the way that I often dress, you may agree with them. <laughs> well, these verses here aren't an appeal to my vanity, but you may have noticed the language of Wardrobe change. Putting off old clothes, putting on new clothes. And it's striking how this is presented here as a key way in which the Ephesian Christians were taught to picture their new life. So visual, so ordinary, so mundane even. We all know how it is with that favorite piece of clothing. Nothing beats it for comfort. So doesn't matter that it is moth-eaten, uh, torn and stained, and then its original color has long since drained away, and it's clearly now two sizes too small. You've been through thick and thin together, so you're going to keep on wearing it, whatever. 
We also know how it is with that new piece of clothing. Maybe one of those gifts that came your way at Christmas. We're unsure if it's the the right fit or if we feel comfortable in it. it. It's quite a departure from anything we've worn before. Does it really suit me? Or does it sit somewhat at odds with who I am? It can take a long time for some new items of clothing to grow on us. With the clothing that Paul has in mind here, it's likely to take a lifetime. Notice what he says there in verse 24. Put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. To put on this item of clothing is to be dressed as Jesus himself dresses. Even more, it's to be clothed in Jesus himself, to be like God, clothed in true righteousness and holiness. That's going to take all of us some growing into. Out with the old, in with the new. The decisive break with the old. And the welcoming in of the new occurs for each one of us once. When we begin life with Jesus. That's an irreversible new beginning, thankfully. But the pattern established there at the beginning of the Christian life remains the pattern of our ongoing Christian life. Not just at the beginning of a new year, but at the beginning of each new day. We need to attend to our wardrobe. We need to put off our old self and put on our new self. We'll see more consistent, more well, more concretely what this looks like in practice as we continue on in Ephesians over the coming Sundays. So do come back. But to disentangle ourselves from the old and to slip more comfortably into the new, our new life begins and must be lived out in the power of Jesus. Here are a few thoughts to draw this to a close. Messaging directed at us, which tells us that a new you is within our reach, if not already within our grasp, places a heavy burden upon a person. Of course, much of the marketing around New Year's resolutions is fairly light-hearted. But there's that other messaging that moves beyond the mere makeover to suggest that we have it within us to undertake a complete renovation, recreating ourselves from the ground up. That, that places a crushing burden upon any person. The new beginning, which many long for, and which we all need, is a gift found only in Jesus Christ. He doesn't settle for making us simply who we want to be. 
He remakes us as those we were always meant to be, like God. Now, realizing this should prompt you and I to do two things in 2023. Strive and relax. Yes, both. (laughs) Strive and relax. Strive after Jesus's powerful presence in your life. Strive after him, confident that his resolve to work godly change in your life is far greater than yours could ever be. Strive after Jesus, one day at a time, and don't keep score. Every day is complete in itself. Each new day is a new beginning with Jesus. We don't carry forward our record, our successes or failures from the day before. One day at a time. That's how true and lasting change is brought about. Incrementally. Then, relax. Relax in knowing that your new self really is your true self. There will be days when your old self will tell you otherwise, and life will feel like an incessant tug-of-war between the two. In Christ, your new self had the first word, it will also have the last word. Let it have the last word today. Relax into the stability and peace this knowledge brings. The old life we used to live, treading that downward spiral, was forever unstable. We could barely keep a foothold. But our new life has been secured on the strongest of all possible footings. Now, at peace with God, the war is already decisively won. So, let's this day, dare I say, rest at peace with ourselves, with who Christ has resolved for us to be. Amen.